You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Would you build a house without a foundation? Would you have a child and not name it? Would you let a stranger squat on your property? No, of course not. So why should the Internet be any different? Every week, speak with top domain experts. Learn how to make money with domains. Know your legal rights. Each week, join our expert host to be master of your domain. Right here on Domain Masters. And welcome to Domain Masters, where you can be the master of your domain. My name is Jonathan Frakes. Happy holidays to our listeners. I'm filling in for Monty Khan and just excited to be here this week. I have a really uh, great guest, lots of excitement uh, happening. We'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, law with Derek Newman, a very uh, well-known name in the domain industry and also uh, somebody that uh, I think you'll enjoy what uh, what we discuss. Uh, definitely want to encourage people to submit their names to the upcoming auction at the Domain Fest uh, Global at uh, marketplacepro.moniker.com. And there's still time for that. I believe they're uh, uh, taking submissions for a variety of different domains there. Also, uh, before December 31st, if you are intending to go to the Domain Fest, uh, take advantage of the early bird discount. It it, uh, ends on December 31st. Uh, where the price is eight ninety five, it goes up to nine ninety five. And as listeners may have heard uh, in previous weeks, a uh, recent announcement that the uh, the uh, gala party is going to be at the Playboy Mansion, which is just going to be fantastic. It's an autism benefit for uh, autismspeaks dot uh, and that's going to be really fantastic. Uh, of course, another uh, uh, main party going to be at Universal Studios, and uh, lots lots to learn, lots to do. Uh, great, uh, great set of speakers. It's going to be a lot of good networking. So I'd encourage people to go to that show if you haven't uh, already purchased uh, passes for that. It's a great way to kind of just hit 2009 with a lot of good energy and carry that forth into the year because it's uh, it's going to be a great year if you let it be a great year. And it's a good way to catch some good momentum and, and really take it further. Uh, DomainFest.com is the uh, URL for that. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at the Domain Fest. Now, meanwhile... Uh, We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we will have Derek Newman of Newman Law and uh, also the president of uh, Zevia Soda. 
So we'll have a good opportunity to visit with him. We'll talk a little bit about UDRP. We'll talk a little bit about uh, trademark law and domain ownership and uh, good strategies for corporations as well. He has some good suggestions. So we'll be right back after the break with Derek Newman. You're just minutes away from more Domain Masters. The question is, are you still master of your domain? Stay tuned. Looking for a new way to build backlinks and traffic back to your website? Then look no further than the quickest and easiest way to blast your article to thousands of subscribers at the click of a mouse. Introducing ArticleSender.com, the world's premier article distribution service. With ArticleSender.com, you can submit your prize-winning piece to thousands of promising publishers and article directories craving for fresh content. ArticleSender.com also provides premium services so that your article is SEO SEO ready. Plus, we provide express editorial review for rush delivery of your submissions within 24 to 48 hours article distribution at its easiest one form one click thousands of results get your free account today at articlesender.com that's article s-e-n-d-e-r.com Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. Purse Strings, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, back to Domain Masters. You're still master of your domain. Yes! (laughs) Master of my domain. Here's your host. And it is my privilege to have Derek Newman, a uh, a friend, a colleague, a respected person in the domain industry. You're you're just, uh, you know, fantastic to have you here on Domain Masters. Welcome to the show, Derek. Thank you, Jothan. And that's quite a compliment coming from the most popular person in the domain industry. Well, it's a a group hug, man. That's fantastic. Happy belated birthday, first off, and happy holidays to you. We're glad you you could join us on the show. Happy to be here. Now, you've got, um, I think there's a lot of folks who have been in the industry with, um, you know, some tenure, you know, maybe maybe five, ten years in, in the industry, have had the opportunity to see you do a numerous uh, number of things that, that benefit individual domainers that are, uh, you know, for for very good. But why don't you tell us about uh, uh, yourself just a little bit and uh, your your practice, and then also your your new venture, 
and and then let's talk a little bit longer in the show about uh, you know what it is that uh, you've done so far in your career in the domain industry and 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 some of the different uh, touch points you've had on the industry. Sure, I have a Seattle-based law firm called Newman and Newman, and we focus on internet and intellectual property issues. And when I say internet, I don't mean somebody got scammed on eBay. We like the more meaty stuff. We like to deal with the DNS infrastructure and serious domain name issues, not just cyber squatting, but anything that relates to both technical and legal aspects of it. And we built our practice on it. That's amazing, and 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 really, that's that's been going on. Uh, you know, I remember seeing you and, and working with you well before the formation of ICAM. Sure, uh, I remember seeing you at the first ICAM meeting in Los Angeles, right after the company was formed, and John Postel had just passed away. We we spoke there about what was happening and what the future was like, and some of the things we discussed occurred, and some did not. And if you recall, you were working for a company then that was purchased by VeriSign. And uh, there was a dispute that arose out of that, and I worked with you on that dispute. Indeed, that is, uh, that is true. I, I, uh, and uh, what an opportunity that was. But, uh, you know, in getting to know you uh, through, through this, it's been really fantastic uh, to, to work with you on different things. And see some of the other things in other places that you've been able to help, uh, you know, in the industry. The, um, uh, you know, from what I understand, you've you've done some other great things for other great people as well. But it, you know, I've seen you and and uh, you know just the strengths of your style and and what you've done over just the past decade. And I know that that's uh, just the tip of the iceberg. Thank you. It's a pleasure to work with you and the other persons in the industry that I've been privileged to serve. So can I obviously, uh, you know, can't really talk a lot about your clients. Um, you've, uh, you, you help out registries, you help out individual domain owners, you help business uh, owners figure out their intellectual property interests. Do you have any uh, sort of interesting stories that have come up from, uh, from working with those folks? That's a difficult question to answer on Webmaster Radio because, yes, I've represented registries, registrars, thousands of domain name registrants, yeah, but it's difficult because a lot of the stuff we deal with is privileged or perhaps as part of court record. But uh, I don't I don't know that I have particularly interesting things to share that other people would find interesting. But please ask me any questions about any of the cases we've worked on. <laughs> sure. And, uh, and well said. Well, you know, maybe uh, one of the things I just would say is, uh, you know, Derek, how could somebody reach you if they were looking for a domain attorney, at least so you have, um, uh, you know, folks could reach out to you. Uh, what's your email address? Thank you. It's dn at newmanlaw.com, N-E-W-M-A-N-L-A-W.com. And you're, uh, you're a name behind a lot of the scenes. So, uh, you know, I think what, what should speak louder here is what you aren't saying rather than to go <laughs> into the, uh, the, the various cases. Uh, uh, if, if one were to just go through and I think do the research, they'd see Derek's name on, on quite a number of cases. And obviously his discretion is, uh, is paramount here. But, you know, so wonderful things. You've done great things for the domain industry. It's good that people recognize who you are and, wh and what your capabilities are. 
The focus that we've had lately is representing domain name owners in lawsuits. And it's different than what a lot of lawyers are doing these days because we're not doing a lot of UDRPs. We're doing the cases where people are getting sued for cyber squatting. We've done a lot of big cyber squatting cases. We've had a lot of cases against Microsoft lately. And we enjoy representing domain name owners more than trademark holders, although we've represented both. And the laws have been unfairly skewed towards trademark owners because there's been some bad parties involved in litigation. And we're trying to clean that up by representing the domain name owners when they're being sued by big companies, oftentimes wrongfully. It, it can happen. Obviously, it's an imperfect system, and, and certainly there's, you know, there's clear cases and non-clear cases. And uh, so it brings to mind one that was very transparent um, was a particular case of reverse hijacking uh, uh, in the circumstances of a, a domain called kooks.com, K-O-O-K-S.com. Yes. And the, and the owner of the domain, um, obviously somebody we both know, but the uh, uh, the the interesting part about this was, you know, I don't think he stood anything to gain necessarily other than to keep the domain. Uh, I really respected that, he, you know, the, the way that he handled it was so transparent and it really illustrated a lot of the holes in the system. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Because that was something that was more publicly available. Sure. Our client registered kooks.com many years ago, and a company called Kooks Custom Headers wanted it because it owned the trademark Kooks Custom Headers, and kooks.com is a much better name than kookscustomheaders.com. It made an offer to purchase the name, and our client declined because the offer wasn't great enough. Kooks Custom Headers initiated a UDRP case against our client. Uh, we represented our client in the UDRP, and we won. And then our client sued the owner of Kooks Custom Headers in federal court for cancellation of its trademark. Uh, that case eventually resolved, but first our client put up on kooks.com all the facts and circumstances underlying the case and claim against Kooks Custom Headers, and it cost Kooks Custom Headers a lot of money to pursue a claim that had no merit. And that, of course, has nothing to do with me or my law firm. Uh, we had a client that was committed to not being bullied. And it's unfortunate that a lot of trademark owners, both big and small, are bullying domain name owners into giving up very valuable domain names for far less than those names are worth. And we like to help out domain owners who don't want to stand for that and want to defend their rights. And, and from what I understand, uh, you're uh, very good at that. And so uh, much respect to you. And, and uh, you know, definitely in, in the case of the uh, what we refer to as the alleged cyber squatter, um, you know, the circumstances are not all black and white. And, uh, you know, obviously, I, I make it a point to kind of point people towards the ICA Code of Conduct, the Internet Commerce Association, you know, and they have some sort of clear, clear code of conduct that says, you know, don't go out if you're aware of a brand and specifically, you know, take and do this action. I mean, that that's, that's introducing yourself to some, um, you know, potential unfriendly contact and, and, you know, you might even be breaking the law, but Jonathan, uh, there's been countless cases over the years where we're representing clients who shouldn't be involved in litigation at all because they've done nothing wrong. Uh, we represented the owner of Colchester.com, and he registered the domain name Colchester.com. It's a city in England. He had a lot of city names. After he registered it, 
a t-shirt company, started selling its shirts under the trademark Colchester and filed a UDRP against our client. We did not represent the client in the UDRP matter, and he lost the UDRP and then hired us to file a lawsuit. We filed the lawsuit, and the court agreed at a very early stage in the case that that Colchester t-shirt company had no rights to our client's Colchester.com domain name. Our client obviously registered it because he was registering city names. He registered it before the t-shirt company ever appropriated the trademark. It was just obscene, and there's lots of cases like that. And so is your specialty a focus on um, just defending cyber squatters? I, I mean, you, you, wh- one of the things – actually, let's touch on that. Well, I like to say – and I mean this. The legendary. Well, I like to say that when I take a case, it's important to me that I believe in it. So I like to represent – the right side of the case. So we've represented trademark owners and we've sued domain name owners, but I can't think of a single case where we've represented a trademark owner against a domain owner and that domain owner wasn't really a cyber squatter, trading off the goodwill of the trademark holder, actually using the domain name for the purpose of siphoning customers. But most of the domain name owners that we represent have never done anything of the sort. They're all clean. In fact, most of the domainers these days are clean. They're very cautious with their portfolios and how they use names and how they select names. And it's unfortunate that there's so many lawsuits by trademark owners and that the law is so favorable towards those trademark owners. The Anti-Cyber Squad and Consumer Protection Act has 14 factors that a court should consider when it's determining whether cyber squatting has occurred. And almost every factor is in the trademark owner's favor. And consequently, all the cases that construe the Anti-Cyber Squad and Consumer Protection Act seem to also be in the trademark owner's favor. So if you're not a trademark owner yourself and you're just a domain owner, the odds are stacked against you. And we respect those clients who come to us. They know they've done nothing wrong and they ask us to defend them, and they put their faith in me and this law firm, and then we successfully defend them, it feels really good because the credit is really due to the client that is willing to pay the fees to defend its domain name and understands the value of the domain name and isn't going to be bullied. I I definitely see that. And so isn't the ACPA up for review this year? And isn't there an opportunity to maybe uh, uh, make some friendly amendments that might offer better balance to uh, to that? I'm an intellectual property lawyer because I represent a lot of companies with respect to their trademarks and copyrights, and our firm does patent work. We do trade secret work. And even though I'm an intellectual property lawyer, I have to tell you that I think it's really unfortunate the direction that the intellectual property lobby has gone. We have an intellectual property lobby that champions intellectual property causes – But they've gone too far, and they're stepping on the rights of free speech and domain owners and the like. And as a consequence, the lobby that's going to be arguing in favor of the ACPA and even making the ACPA more stringent will outweigh the free speech advocates and the domain owners who are going to come forward and say that the ACPA has already gone too far. Interesting. Well, and and typically there are well-organized, well-financed companies that are behind it as opposed to sort of individual ad hoc uh, organizations. Well, I'm a member of the International Trademark Association or the INTA. Everybody's a member of the INTA. 
It's well-funded, has an excellent lobby, as well as the American Intellectual Property Law Association. I'm a member of that. But like I said, I don't agree with a lot of the initiatives they undertake. They do it in the name of IP protection, but really it's squelching free speech rights and it's stepping on rights of domain owners and other people who aren't trading off the goodwill of trademark owners, but who don't allow trademark owners to get valuable property like domain names for free. And IP rights holders these days think they should get domain names for free, even though they're valuable and even though there's no consumer confusion involved and even though there's no siphoning of trademark owners' customers or goodwill. It's the state of the industry, the IP industry, and the domain industry, and it's unfortunate. And that's the reason why, generally, I like to be representing the domain name owner, not the trademark owner. Because the trademark owner comes to court and talks about how grand it is having his trademark registration, talks about how scummy the alleged cyber squatter is, when in reality, and ironically, it's the other way around. The domain name owner comes to court clean, having purchased a domain for valuable money and not trading off the goodwill of the trademark owner, and using the domain name to provide search services or develop independent content, all of which doesn't cause any consumer confusion, and it has nothing to do with the trademark owner's business. And I'd rather be on that side, because I think it's the right side. Now, that's that's really good, and it's good that there's people out there who, who are helping with this. And obviously, you know, there are clear cases, and there's unclear cases. But, you know, there are some sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, People that believe the moon is made of cheese still and that the earth is flat and, you know, all your base are belong to us as far as, uh, you know, how domains should exist in the world. And and we do see that. Now, so I am seeing, though, some really what I'd call progressive brands who are less sort of kill everyone like God sort them out about enforcing their trademarks. And, uh, you know, I definitely want to tip my hat. Uh, one example is eBay. You know, I've seen uh, eBay do a fantastic job of uh, – you know, kind of having a rational uh, process around their their intellectual property support and their strategy with respect to domain names. Yeah, have you seen any companies? That, well, I told you earlier that we've had a lot of cases against Microsoft, and we've had a lot of cases against a lot of big companies. And as far as reasonable plaintiffs go, Microsoft is not among the worst. Uh, AOL, when we have litigation against them. They want to get as much money as they can possibly get from a defendant. If the defendant has to declare bankruptcy, so be it. The litigation is what's been referred to as scorched earth because AOL burns everything and nothing is left standing by the end. Microsoft doesn't end up that way. Uh, The Microsoft lawyers are very reasonable. They only go after defendants that have names that are very similar to the Microsoft trademarks. And... In settlement, they take into consideration factors such as whether the defendant has the ability to pay, and they don't bankrupt the defendant. So as far as these overzealous plaintiffs go, I think that Microsoft's on the more reasonable side. And when they file lawsuits, we generally recognize that they really believe that they have a valid claim, and we try and work with them to resolve it at the least possible cost to the client. And we've been very fortunate to have done that several times over. So I think as far as things go, Microsoft is one of those parties that's into suing, but it really believes it's been wronged and there's a case to be made that it has, but it's reasonable in the outcome of the cases. So there's there's some uh, some good signs there. Now, those are people who are clients. Have you seen anything refreshing as far as uh, 
some brands maybe that you've seen be progressive or, or even forward thinking in how they're doing their domain strategies? Well, that's a, that's a loaded question. Okay. I think right. that it's let, let really wise it. for brand owners to buy any name that is similar to the trademark, uh, to register any typos, to pay money to domain name owners that have names that might be similar, so that they build a portfolio of names that are similar to the mark to avoid potential cyber squatters. And then this is important. This is the thing that a lot of trademark owners don't get. Oftentimes, names are registered, which might be a typo or might be somewhat similar to a trademark, but there's no harm being done. There's not a single consumer being confused. The dumb domain name owner is not getting any traffic anyways. Let it be and focus on your core business. Focus on making money and defending against legitimate threats to your trademark. And uh, we have clients who are trademark owners that undertake that strategy. You know, register as many names as you can, and if someone's not wronging you, forget about it. But uh, I can't think of any of the bigger companies who are necessarily doing that. Well, and, and that's fine. It was a little bit of a loaded question. I didn't mean to put you in the hot seat so much on that. But I let, like let me the hot seat. That's fair. Oh, I, you thrive on the hot seat. I, I've seen uh, you uh, litigate. I've seen you, you know, discuss things. And you know, you have a great striking presence and, a, and an ability to react in the moment that is uncanny. So I, you know. So, so Derek, you know, maybe a, a separate question. You know, one of the things I try to do for the listeners, and and uh, you know, Monty Con, uh, the usual uh, host of the show, does as well. What are some tips, uh, you know, to corporations? You know, you said register every name you can. What are uh, uh, tell us some other things you might think might be uh, wise and uh, uh, thought leadership sort of direction? Well, I suppose I could say the basics, and that is. Domain names are a big part of your intellectual property strategy. And when picking a brand, it's very important that you ensure that a domain name is available that is identical or descriptive enough towards your trademark that you have that right. And when the domain name is not available, it's probably important enough to buy the domain name before committing to trademark rights. And a lot of parties don't do that. And the law does not allow a party to adopt a trademark, and then later claim they have the right to a domain name that was registered before they adopted the trademark. So it's important to clear your domain names. And as I said, it's important to get as many domain names similar to your line of business and to your brand name as possible. I would imagine that any company that really cares about what it's doing and cares about its intellectual property would have a good hundred names registered that either have to do with its business name or the line of business that it's in and has a strategy with respect to domain names and acquiring domain names and who, if any, the company is going to pursue with respect to infringement. It's important that counsel's engaged, that the business decision makers get together, and that usually there's a written document that reflects domain name strategy and IP strategy. But it varies from company to company, of course. Is, is it your perspective, I see this a lot, that there's sort of a triangle of management within a corporation of how they do their domain names. There's like the marketing, the uh, IT or technical, and then the legal department. And I, I see like a, a balance where maybe two of those pieces of the triangle tie together. But, um, you know, I never see, or I rarely, I would say, see where there's triangulation. And, and sort of a core management of those three different points of the triangle? Is yes, your experience like, the same? I love on that. I haven't really heard it described like that. But that triangle is important. 
and there should probably be one point person that coordinates among all the points of that triangle to ensure that the domain name strategy is appropriate. And legal must be there, and marketing must be there, and there has to be a budget put together and a plan. And I think that this should all occur before one adopts a trademark to associate with a good. Perfect. Perfect. Now, let's let's shift gears because, I mean, you obviously have a wealth of experience. And from what I understand, you'll be uh, uh, one of the speakers and you'll be attending the Domain Fest in Hollywood uh, this January. Yes. Uh, so people can uh, meet up with you and, and, you know, face-to-face. And I encourage people to come up and talk to Derek. He's really wise and, uh, you know, very approachable and a good person, real authentic, uh, genuine good person with a lot of wisdom to share. Um, you're doing something different, though which I think is completely cool. Uh, what is that? That is, it's a great, thank you for asking, Derek. Uh, it is, um, <laughs> should we turn the tables and I'll interview you? <laughs> because really I know that an interview of Jonathan Frakes is way more interesting than an interview of me or almost anybody else. <laughs> okay. You know, you're at $50 in soft, uh, soft being revenue, the most uh, popular uh, guy in the domain industry. Oh, uh, Derek. And it, well, I, I prefer popular over infamous and, and, uh, well, thank you though. That's a kind compliment. Let's talk about stevia and and what and what that is as a sweetener and and what this zevia uh, soda that you've done. I mean, this is like a severe sort of right turn out of technology and intellectual property. It's you know, but it's something that that um, is just cool. And I want to hear more about it and and let the listeners hear a bit about what you're doing, sort of as a a whole new different thing. Nobody expected to hear this on Webmaster Radio. Stevia is an herb that's native to the South American rainforest. It's many times sweeter than sugar. My wife was a Diet Coke addict. And other than Diet Coke, we live very healthy, very natural lives. I compete in triathlons. She competes in marathons. And it really bothered me that she was consuming all the Diet Coke. We learned about stevia and how sweet it is and how natural it is. And we were surprised that it wasn't in a Diet Cola. So we decided to create the product ourselves. And the name of our product is Zevia. Z as in zebra, E, V as in Victor, I, A. And where do you think, Jonathan, you can check it out? I bet you, you got Zevia.com. You are correct, but we didn't have it at first. We registered ah. drinkzevia.com, and we started negotiating with the domain owner who had zevia.com. He registered zevia.com in 1997. He'd never used it. You'd, if you went on, you'd get a 404. And he registered a bunch of names that he thought were brandable, and he was selling them all in the range of like $200,000, $250,000. And when we first started negotiating with him, he told us that we couldn't have it for anything less than $200,000. And we negotiated for a period of months, and we finally bought the name for $25,000. And it's interesting because the generics, of course, are $25,000, $100,000, a million dollars, even $10 million or more. But with a name like Zevia, when I tell people that I got it for $25,000, people say, you're insane. Why would you spend that much money? But the thing is, is Zevia is a great brand name, and you have to have a domain name that is identical to your trademark. So for us, $25,000 for Zevia.com, which is the brand that we had adopted and that we love and that works, was chump change. That $25,000 was a great buy. What's your opinion on that? Um, well, obviously, versus drink Zevia, it's a no-brainer, right? I mean, you don't have to slap your head and go, God, you know, 
boy, what was this guy thinking, right? And and it's a clear case. But what did the guy think? I mean, you know, where did he come up with Zevia? Did he just kind of invent words that could potentially be brands later? Or, or I was really impressed with his portfolio of names. None of them were generic, but they were all cool sounding. And he anticipated that people would form companies and want to adopt these trademarks, and he'd be the go-to guy for these names. And he's made a fair amount of money on that. It worked for him. I never would have thought that would have been a viable model. And if you look at the names that Zevia owns, that our company owns, uh, we have a few hundred domain names. Uh, we have all kinds of misspellings of Zevia. We have all kinds of things relating to Stevia, which is a sweetener. We, of course, have yes. SteviaSoto.com and SteviaDrink.com. If we have DrinkZevia.com, we have to have DrinkStevia.com. And yep. in my law practice, I advise clients that when you have a brand and it deals with a certain product like ours is stevia or soda that you get as many domain names as you can that relate to it because people will type them in they will search for you it'll help your search engine optimization and in my own business the soda business as opposed to the law business i've taken that advice so you you drink your own kool-aid that's cool most certainly or or rather but you drink your own soda i wanted soda.com you know who owns soda.com who owns Soda.com? You know Ari Goldberger, the uh, domain lawyer? Ari Goldberger, is a, he's a pretty cool guy. Coincidentally, he owns Soda.com. Well, you know, that uh, that's a person you might be able to run into at the Domain Fest. And, uh, you know, uh, what I'd suggest is uh, uh, discussing it with him there. Yeah, and he's a very good lawyer. Uh, for UDRPs, John Berryhill is probably the best, and I'd say Ari Goldberger is a close second. And uh, I, you're, you're no uh, – I wouldn't skip yourself. And there's certainly a group hug in the, uh, in the law field there. There's, there's a, you know, a wide number of people. So, I appreciate So I, I'm impressed with what you've done with your brand. Um, where can people find your soda, just out of curiosity? Where can people find your soda? Well, it's distributed nationally. But the distribution isn't as dense as Coke. So we're in 46 states. And if you go to Zevia.com and you want an all-natural diet soda, it's the first and only all-natural, zero-calorie diet soda. No calories, nothing artificial, all-natural and sugar-free. If you go to Zevia.com, Z-E-V-I-A.com, and go to our store locator, you can find a store near you. Uh, on the East Coast, uh, the Northeast, Hannaford's, Wegmans, King's, uh, here in Seattle where I am, the stores like QFC, each market's different. In Los Angeles, it's in Albertsons and Bristol Farms. So Derek, it sounds like people can find out where to get their uh, Zevia at uh, www.zevia.com. And it's cool. You, you uh, took and kind of uh, used you know your uh, illuminated uh, way of going about d domain strategy and applied it to a company of your own. So it's not that you just you know don't practice what you preach. You, you actually walk the walk and talk the talk and, and that's awesome. So you know just a closing question. Yes. What what could be improved about the current state of UDRP? Well, I think that the most unfortunate aspect about the UDRP is that the lawyers who work on it and the panelists cite other UDRP cases. And the UDRP is not law. It's an administrative proceeding. 
and you can find a UDRP case to stand for any proposition you have, which means the integrity of the UDRP cases is null. I don't think that the UDRP should be decided based on UDRP precedent. I think the UDRP should be decided based upon the facts of the case, and I think it would be nice if the UDRP were amended to allow to citations to law as opposed to UDRP land. That's what I like to call it when I advise clients and I explain to them why they have a poor shot at winning. I tell them about the cases and the panelists and how it ends up being trademark friendly and uh, I call it instead of the courtroom, UDRP land. And I'd rather be in a courtroom than UDRP land because a courtroom is fair. It's based on law. It's based on real precedent. They analyze facts. The UDRP, unfortunately, has a lot of panelists that don't analyze facts, but just look at these UDRP precedent cases that are worthless. Interesting. Now, what about consequences for um, uh, since there's since there's consequences? I guess if you're citing cases for habitual, um, you know, alleged cyber squatting or pattern, uh, could there be consequences for habitual um, reverse hijacking introduced? For example, I suppose there could, and I can't think of cases offhand from the UDRP. I'd probably ask John Berryhill that question. He would know better than I have. I don't know if there's cases where there's habitual reverse hijacking complainants and they lose because of that matter. Uh, again, unfortunately, the UDRP provides that if you have a record of having infringed others' trademarks, that there's a presumption that you've infringed this trademark. And I don't really know any area of law that's like that. The Anti-Cyber Squad and Consumer Protection Act, which is the federal law that's similar to the UDRP, it, it provides that cyber squatters are going to have to pay big damages to trademark owners. It, too, looks as to whether there's a pattern or practice on the domain owner and having a record of been found registering others' trademarks in the past. And I think that's unfortunate because I don't think that what one does today – should be based upon whether they've done bad acts in the past because there's just a presumption that's unnecessary. That's confusing because, I, I mean, one of the things that I've found, at least I, I grew up learning this, was the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. As you our, just as, made I my mean, I'm not a lawyer. very well. I'm not a lawyer, but, I mean, that one's taught to you. You learned that from, you know, childhood, at least in the States. But... You know, maybe mileage varies in uh, different parts of the world where you can't say the word democracy or, or I don't know. Well, you know, but okay, it's a flawed system. What about clear cases, you know, putting on the hat and maybe coming across the other side of the table where, where it is intellectual property and it's a clear case? You know, I've heard arguments that there should be some sort of an expedited, uh, you know, uh, process for clear cases. What, well, what is a that? clear case? Every plaintiff who steps into a courtroom thinks they have a clear case and they want their case expedited on any subject matter. If uh, you walk into a bar and I'm in there and you don't like the way I look and you punch me out, I have a cause of action against you for battery. And you were in that bar and you punched me out and everyone saw you do it. Should that be expedited? Well, I suppose well, let's, let's should, clear something up, though. But let's I'm clear something up. You're entitled to do discovery on whether there was self-defense or whether you were impacted by uh, an artificial substance that may have gone to your intent. And it's the same with the trademark law. So so you're saying I could get hopped up on Twinkies and register domain names and not have consequences? Or, <laughs> Well, with trademark law, 
I think that we should go back to the foundation upon which the trademark laws in this country were built. Namely, we want to protect consumers. We want to protect consumers against confusion. And it's unfortunate that in this day, especially with the Anti-Cyber Squad and Consumer Protection Act, we don't really look at whether any consumers were confused. We look at factors such as whether the domain name owner has a record of having registered domain names similar to trademarks. That shouldn't really matter. What should matter is the true intent of the domain name owner, and the statute speaks to the intent of the domain owner, but the factors don't really. And we should look at whether consumers were confused. Those are the only things that really matter, intent and confusion. Confusion, and cases are being decided now not based on those, but based upon whether a domain name owner has a past record of having registered trademarks that are allegedly – or domain names that are allegedly similar to trademarks. Interesting. Interesting. And so uh – you know, maybe a clear case. Uh, hard to say what a clear case might necessarily be. And oh, and, and I do want to clear up the record. I've never walked into a bar and punched Derek Newman in the face, and I would never do that. Uh, if you did, and I sued you, you'd be entitled to do discovery on issues like self-defense and the like. Uh, you'd be entitled to take the deposition of people in the bar who saw you do it, people who said that maybe I taunted you into it or maybe I hit you first. And that's why we have the system that we have. People often complain about how long lawsuits take and how expensive they are. But really, what is the alternative? If you're going to give somebody a fair shake, and we live in the United States, you should be entitled to a fair shake. It takes that long. And it should take that long for a trademark plaintiff, just like it should take that long for somebody who gets punched out in a bar and sues for battery, especially with trademarks. When you're dealing with consumer confusion or likelihood of consumer confusion or the intent of the domain name registrant, how do you establish intent? It's complex, and the system should allow the parties to do what they need to prove their case, and then a judge should make a decision based upon all the facts before the judge. And you can't do that in an expedited manner. Wow, you know what I really appreciate about you is the passion you apply to this, and 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 the way you do this, and it really carries through in in the way you talk about it, and and certainly I'm sure with the successes that you have with uh, representing people. Thank you. Well, well, Derek, uh, you know I've had the opportunity to see you speak and uh, moderate at various domain roundtable conferences. I've had the opportunity and privilege, uh, obviously, to see you, um, you know, representing people. And, you know, I think it'll be really refreshing for people who want to come to, uh, you know, the Domain Fest down in, uh, in January in Hollywood uh, to, uh, you know, to get an opportunity to hear you speak and maybe meet you in person. Um, and how do people contact you uh, after this if they liked uh, what you were cooking here in the kitchen? Well, my email address is dn at newmanlaw.com d as in derek n as in newman at newmanlaw.com n-e-w-m-a-n-l-a-w.com and my direct dial is 206-274-2828 and your website again newmanlaw.com perfect and then uh the, the it's uh, zevia.com is the uh right don't forget zevia.com because there's a lot of people out there staying up late registering domain names, and they're drinking Coke or Diet Coke. And Diet Coke is full of chemicals that will kill you, and Coke is full of sugar that's going to make you fat. Zevia is all natural and sugar-free. It's one of a kind. It's the only thing like it. So next time you register domain names and you want a great-tasting cola and you may need the caffeine, do Zevia Cola. Excellent. Excellent. All natural, well, no calories. Derek, a special happy holidays to all the listeners, and uh, we're really grateful to have you on. Thank you, Jonathan. 
And I look forward to seeing you in January at the Domain Fest. I can't wait. Thank you. All right. Happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to our listeners. And uh, until next week on Domain Masters, be the master of your domain. Thanks for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.